All right, everyone, welcome again to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. Today we are diving in to maybe one of the more challenging uh, parts of scripture, one of the more challenging books of scripture. Patrick, where are we at today? We are at the very back of the Bible, just about, Revelation chapter 1. Oh. So the, the first chapter of the last book of the Bible. Oh, man. And, you oh, know, when I was man. in elementary school, when it's just so this is so weird how this relates, but me saying the first chapter of the last book of the Bible reminded me about when I was in sixth grade. And I the first day of school, I would say, today is my first day of my last year in elementary school. Oh, right. Super weird. That's anyway. right. That's right. That is kind of weird. But that's where we're at. We're at the beginning of the end. Yeah, exactly. Not that we've been going sequentially through all of the Bible, uh, but we're jumping into this. And I have to tell you, Pat, I rarely do messages, lessons, teaching on the book of Revelation. Um, and part of that is intentional, and some of it is is just kind of like, uh, I'm going to kind of avoid it. And part of the hmm. avoiding it um, piece is that there's so much in the book of Revelation that is up to interpretation and there's such a rich and dynamic history of interpretation of the book of Revelation that um, it seems like when people study it and get really into it, they're looking for answers. They want to know what exactly is this? What exactly does this mean? And there are plenty of people who will interpret Revelation and tell you it means this and only this. Uh, mm. And when that happens, you can get these little fights over Revelation. You can get in little fights over end times. You can get in, in little squabbles over uh, what it all means and how then should we live and, and all of that. And and I'm not really interested in getting in fights. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, Pat. I'm a little bit more of like the peacemaker uh, side of things. So, um, and I think, so what I've done, and, and I confess this, I've kind of said, I'm not going to jump like, you know, to the deep end of the pool in Revelation. But you know what? Sometimes you have to. And so we're going to do some deep pool diving today. Sweet. I mean, it's pretty dangerous to dive in the shallow end too. So That's know. very true. <laughs> very true. So um, this will be good. Good. So uh, what part of Revelation chapter one are we going to read today? We are going to start off with verse 12. It says this, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And what an interesting way <laughs> to describe God. 
Good grief, man. Right? Okay, so let, let's set a little picture for us here. So before we do that, oh, if, yeah. it was, if you didn't catch what, what was being said, this was a description of Jesus, or not Jesus, of God. So all these, you know, set lampstands, blah, blah, blah. That's all describing John's a vision of Christ. So, Jamie, paint us a picture. Pretty crazy. Yeah, the picture I'm trying to paint here is is a little bit of the, the context of this, right? So, so we're in the first chapter of Revelation, and there's some basic stuff. You know, it's a letter. This is John, and John's vision, he has this, this vision, this revelation, and the revelation is God revealing something to John that now he is passing on to uh, the church, which means not just his local church, but the whole church, all the people who believe in Jesus. And this would end up being the last book in the Bible and a very important book in the Bible as well. Um, and so we're, we're in this and he's getting this vision and the vision is coming from, or these words are coming from Christ himself. So he's hearing this voice and it's really hard to describe a vision. The way that, that my dad actually used to always say this, he said, revelation, or at least this style of literature, is written in what one might call the language of dreams. Now, Patrick, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but when someone has a dream and they try to describe it to someone else, it's really hard to describe how it felt. Um, hmm. Because things in a dream are always changing, or there's, there's a feeling that's attached to the actual vision and image that you're seeing in your dream. And so to describe it to someone else, it usually falls flat, right? You tell them like, mm. Oh, I had a dream that my cat was flying and then started talking to me. And then we were at Disneyland for some reason. And then, and like all of a sudden you're like, you're just talking like weird nonsense. This doesn't really make sense. But to you, that dream that you had was very important and really big deal. Well, I'm not saying that John just had a weird dream and is describing it. John had a vision from God, but, but it was so profound and so big and so dynamic that it's hard to contain it in words. In fact, it cannot be contained in words. And John is doing his best to put those words uh, down to paper to send them on. So hmm. in the book of Revelation, when we read it, we need to always remember that there's a lot of mystery that's still out there. Uh, and, and we need to know that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will help us to understand what we need to get out of it. Now, the scripture, and we've said this before, is a lot like an onion, like from Shrek, right? In that there's layers. <laughs> uh, right. Right, like an ogre. Um, there's layers to scripture, meaning you can get something almost at each layer. If you take scripture at a surface level, there's something in that for you. If you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, you're still going to get more out of it because it's living and active. It's the word of God. And so in this, we're going to take, we're going to try to take, you know, maybe hit the outside layer of this or hit a layer of it and, and understand this a little bit better. So let, let's go straight to verse 12 right now. John turns around because he wants to see the voice that's speaking. So he's hearing something, but he wants to see like, oh, hey, whose voice is that? Now, I don't know about you, Pat. Has anyone ever played that game where they run up behind you, put their hands over your eyes, and then and then they want you like say like, guess who it is? And you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's it, happened to me. Uh, it's like the most annoying game in the world. It's like, why are you touching me right now? 
It's why, a classic camp game. Why in the world are you touching me? That's usually what I'm thinking. Like, I don't know where your hands have been. Uh, like, why are you have your hands on my face? For John, this is maybe a familiar voice. Maybe. Yeah. May, yeah. You know, maybe it's a familiar voice. Maybe it's scary. I mean, I think about him. Like, it takes a little bit of bravery to turn around when you're getting this, like, revelation. You're getting this epic vision. You're... You're, you know that this is from God. Is this an angel? Is this God himself? Is this Christ? Who is this? But he turns to see the voice that was speaking to him. He mm. wants, he, he's yeah. hearing it with one sense, but now he wants to see it fully with his eyes. And when he turns, he sees some weird, weird stuff. Yeah. It's not like, and then I saw a dude who like was pretty chill and we were hanging out and he's telling me some great <laughs> stuff. Like he didn't see... Any image of Jesus that I've ever seen in, you know, your typical drawings of Jesus. It wasn't a long flowing hair uh, Jesus that was wearing, you know, a nice robe with a happy smile and a really golden tan. Like, you know, like all those pictures of Jesus from (laughs) back in the day, right? Or it wasn't, you know, like the historically accurate Jesus uh, when people have tried to make images of Christ like that or, or like a, you know, 16th century painting uh that is you know italian masters or something type painting that's just perfect and everything's flowy and fancy and the colors are all vivid (laughs) he gets something that i don't in my mind i have a hard time even uh, like putting together what this looks like that's you going like into the deeper layers though trying to put that all together but like just (laughs) like just if you ever want to do this when it comes to this version of literature by the way is called apocalyptic literature uh, in it, we have it in some parts of the Old Testament, including the book of Daniel is kind of has some classic examples of it. And then Revelation a lot. Um, the book of Ezekiel, there's some apocalyptic literature. And, and whenever you, you get these like images of heaven and there's like creatures and symbolisms and all these things coming together, people try to understand that. And, and one thing that's kind of fun to do, I, I, you know, it might be fruitful is get out a piece of paper and a pencil or some, you know, whatever art supplies you have and try to draw it. (laughs) Like just do your best. And if you don't have that with you in your mind, maybe even try to draw it. Right. So when I look at this, the first thing he sees are seven golden lampstands. Now we don't have lampstands. People don't use lampstands anymore. You have lampstands in your house, Pat. I got one behind me. (laughs) Yeah. That's just a lamp, right? Oh, Uh, wait, what's the lamp stand? uh, Like a little table it goes on. Yeah, you know, a lamp, a lamp stand. Um, okay, Google. <laughs> yeah, okay, Google. Give me a first century lamp stand. There's a couple different, you know, oh. versions of it. Like a lamp back in the day was almost just like a little bowl or a little like vessel, little a little thing that, that had oil in it and, and maybe like a little wick. Uh, and very simple, uh-huh. really simple. Now, a lamp stand could be something that you just put that up on so that the light would go everywhere in the room. But a lampstand could even be something that was massive. Like you could have a lampstand that's a hundred feet tall. But I actually have a golden lampstand. Well, look, thank you for (laughs) providing the visual. If you're listening to this online, uh, Patrick is now holding up something that has uh, four candles on the top and a stand. It's a nice little sort of brass lampstand or candle stand, candle holder, if you will. 
But lampstands back then could really, you know, came of all sizes. And it's funny that that's the first thing. He hears a voice, but he turns around. He sees these lampstands. What? And among the lampstands, so standing among them, was someone like a son of man. Now, it doesn't say was a son of man. Um, It was something similar to a son of man. Son of man meaning like a human, a person. Uh, dressed in a robe. So this is our first vision of Jesus. First of all, he has a light show around him, right? There's these seven <laughs> lampstands. They're all providing light, right? <laughs> so like when you see Jesus, it's like the laser beams are out and all the all the lights are on him, I guess. Is the music bumping too? Uh, well, you know, probably, um, but it's his own voice apparently. So we have these seven lampstands. There's lights that are shining. I mean, this is like, you know, First first century, lampstands are the highest, you know, version of lighting effects you have. So, you know, there you go. The, the lights are on Jesus. He's standing, dressed in a robe that reaching down to his feet. So the robe goes all the way down to his feet, which typically means that it's a very expensive high end. So he's like, has a top end lighting. Mm-hmm. He's got the top end apparel. Okay. He has a golden sash around his chest. That sounds um, top end. That sounds real top end. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. I know that snow is pretty white. Uh, you know, snow is actually so white you can get snow blind from the amount of reflective ability that snow has. Well, that sounds terrifying. Getting snow blind? Yeah. yeah. So his hair is as white as snow. That's kind of cool. But his eyes are like blazing fire. So those two okay. don't seem to really go together, right? Yeah. Now, I've seen some people with some pretty uh, pretty cool looking eyes, but I've never seen anyone who had blazing fire eyes. Now, also, not his eyes, but his feet are like bronze glowing in a furnace. So, you know, if you ever think of something that's glowing like molten lava, or Ooh. maybe you've been at a... Uh, Maybe if you made s'mores at a bonfire or something and you have a metal poker and you leave it in the coals too long and it's glowing fire, right? That's kind of what it's saying here, that his feet are so hot or they're putting off whatever kind of this this show is here that they're glowing like furnace. And then this is what I like too, man. His voice was like the sound of rushing water. So when Jesus is talking to him, it sounds like the rapids of a river. Probably really loud and maybe quick in pace and maybe even a little aggressive. So, Patrick, question for you. You understand rushing water pretty well. Now, when was the last time you got in a real good barrel surfing? Don't brag. Be honest. Probably a couple months ago. And when you are inside of a barrel, what does it sound like? Because I've never been in one. That's a good question. I don't know. I like don't know how to describe it i've never actually like t- taken a moment to hear how it hear so, like, listen to see how it sounds hear how it hears what you're am like, i trying I'm, to say <laughs> you're kind of busy right when you're in the moment and you're in a barrel yeah i guess you know you're just kind of stoked i mean i would imagine i don't know i've never even like thought of that but probably loud you know just hmm. rushing water it'd be like standing on the beach and the surf is really big and then 
you're, but you're in it and you're really close. You're at the epicenter. So to think about if you're at a concert and you're standing way in the very back, it's like loud and it's like, you know, fun and you can hear it, but it's not the same as if you're standing very, very front, but maybe off to the side a little in front of the giant speaker. It's just like ear piercing. I would say mm-hmm. I would compare it kind of like that. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I remember being in um, Oregon, uh, in Bend, Oregon. One morning we were we were there just on a little vacation and I grabbed a bike, like an old beat up mountain bike and I started riding down this mountain, this path. Just I wanted to just get a little exercise in and I'm riding, riding the mountain bike down some hills and and before I could even see anything in the trees, I hear this rushing water sound. And I'm, I, I instantly know, I'm like, there's a waterfall around here somewhere. Like, there has to be. I can hear it. And so I just used my ears to kind of follow a path and made my way to a massive waterfall. Just like, just the amount of water. It, it's like, kind of takes your breath away. The amount of water that's flowing, just the sound of it. It kind of mm. like grabs all of your senses. So I imagine the voice of Christ was a lot like that, right? It's this voice that you just, you can't, you can't get away from it. It's just draws you in. Yeah. And it's not the sound of like one thing really loud, like maybe an alarm that's going off really loud or a dog barking that's really loud. It's the sound of a whole bunch of something that's really loud, like rushing water. And the difference is it's, Unlike a car alarms going off and if you're standing next to it, you want to get out of there. You want to move because it like it's hurting your ears, yes. but you can stand next to a waterfall and it can be so loud and it's still soothing and you yeah. can still stand there and take the crazy loudness for a long time because it's a beautiful loud, not a, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous car alarm loud. Right. It draws you in. And yeah. that's, that's cool, man. That's a great point, Pat. So here we have his voice sounding like the rushing waters, his hair's white as wool, blazing eyes, feet that are glowing. Uh, he's surrounded by this light show, has super nice clothes on. Um, and then it says in his right hand, verse 16, he held seven stars. Uh, what? <laughs> right? He held yeah. seven stars. What in the world? Yeah, and this is this is crazy, right? This doesn't make sense. You can't hold a star. How in the world can you hold a star? Now, yeah. you know, back when this was written, I don't think there was an understanding of stars being massive suns that were far off, right? That That whole astronomy thing wasn't developed. You know, when we think of star now... Uh, we've trained everyone so well to believe, well, stars are, you know, basically massive suns that are really, really far away, and there's so many of them. Um, but when we look at this, you know, I think visually we have to think of what he would think a star would look like. And what a star would look like is when you look up at the sky and you see stars, seven stars. So think of he's holding these stars almost like little diamonds or jewels in his hand. And coming out of his mouth, and this is the part of, you know, when we think of Jesus, we never think of Jesus like this. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. <laughs> what? I'm just thinking of a, like a sharp sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus. But when he's speaking, it sounds like rushing water. Like, this is like, this is crazy stuff going on right here, right? Yeah. And finally, his face was like the sun. 
shining in all its brilliance. So this is quite a picture of Jesus. Definitely. It started off a little weird, got a little normal, got a little weird again, and then ended a little normal, I guess. And I look at it and I think, man, this is not the Jesus that I remember in my Sunday school class poster on the wall where he's hugging a lamb. You know, that's not the Jesus that I envision that I thought I would, you know, be reading about. This is a different Jesus. And and I would even use the word, this is a scary Jesus. This might even be a terrifying Jesus. And I think that's why this is not the Jesus that's used in children Sunday school. If you go to a Sunday school that gives the full version of this Jesus and makes a poster on the wall, that's great, man. I love that. You know, gonna <laughs> freak out some little kids and, you know, try to do be sword swallowers. What are you doing, Billy? I'm trying to be like Jesus. No, bad idea. Don't swallow swords, kids. This is all imagery, symbolism. It's a vision. And John's just telling it like it is. He's just telling us what he's seeing. And so... If you turned around, you hear, hear the voice of Jesus, which sounds like rushing waters, and you turn around and this is what you see, what's your response? I would probably be really freaked out and I would probably do exactly what John did. Uh, in verse 17, it said he fell at his feet as though dead. I would probably <laughs> fall over too. I'd fall off of my feet as though dead. And I think that if I even just saw someone who had a tongue uh, or a, a mouth with a double-edged sword coming out of it, that would be enough to knock me off my feet being freaked out. I, and I've seen sword swallowers before, and I've seen that act before in real life, and that's fine. But it's different. That's a sword being put into someone's mouth, not a sword coming out of someone's mouth. If I, if I encountered someone on the street and they opened their mouth and the sword came flying out, oh man, I'd, I'd fall off my feet as though dead as well. I, I like that that's his response. He's like, so I played dead because, you know, that's pretty much what was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's not, I ran away, I head for the hills or I, you know, I squared up against Jesus because I figured he's going to fight me. So I would want to win, you know, like that's not what he says. Uh, you know, there's that whole fight or flight response when we, when we come up to things that are challenging us. And there's another part of fight or flight and it's freeze. Uh, people just kind of stay still in the midst of, uh, crazy things that are happening. And this is another one, the play dead. Um, pretty, yeah. pretty interesting that it, that it, that, uh, he plays dead here. Right. So I saw my fellow defeat as though dead, but then, God does something that is incredible to me, right? So with this, with a hand that is holding stars, with the right hand that is holding seven stars, and with a mouth that has a sword and sounds like raging fire, God does something, Jesus does something to John that I think is so cool. He placed his right hand on me. So the same hand that can hold seven stars is now touching John, the individual person. So Jesus comes down to his level, puts his hand on him. And if you're standing up in all this glory, as Christ was, in order to put your hand on someone, you have to bend over, right? And this is kind of natural reaction. You have to kind of stoop down. And that's kind of, to me, really significant of the incarnation, meaning Jesus had to stoop down, come from heaven to earth, uh, to be humble and to to basically to bend down to us in order to 
comfort and to be with us. Mm-hmm. So he puts this right hand that was holding seven stars on John, and he says with the same voice that had a sword coming out, with the same voice that sounds like rushing waters, he says, do not be afraid. What a great, what great first words, right? <laughs> he meets John where he's at. He doesn't say, John, I have a job for you. He doesn't say, John, uh, John, here's, here's the deal. I'm going to take you out right now. Or he doesn't say, John, stand up. You're acting a fool. Like, he doesn't say that. He says, do not be afraid. Meets John where he's at. And then makes this profound statement. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. The whole line, the keys of death and Hades, that sounds like kind of like a heavy metal band or something. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, keys of the death of Hades or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it sounds like an epic thing, but, but there's comfort in that. And what's mm-hmm. the comfort in it? The comfort is that Jesus, who is the same one who puts his hand on John and says, don't be afraid, is the same one who's in charge of even life, right? He's in charge of even death and life. Jesus is the one now who's running the show. And that is a comforting thought. Uh, And for John, this was comforting. Yeah, it's epic. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, God is powerful. But he also is able to stoop down and put his hand on us and say, do not be afraid. And that's also comforting because it's Christ acknowledging that sometimes his presence can be uh, scary for us. You know, yes. Christ's presence can sometimes see, really literally seem like everything that's described. But Christ is saying, you know, no matter what form or shape that he takes or how he shows up, um, that we need to not be afraid and trust um, that he is alive forever and ever um, and that he is the first and the last and still living. It's like a good, good reminder. And it's nice to know that Jesus is kind of saying, you got to stick with me no matter how I show up. And he's telling us he's forever, right? I'm, I'm the living one. I was dead, but I'm alive. Uh, I'm alive forever and ever, right? I'm not going anywhere. I'm the first, I'm the last. And this is, this is timeless. And I think when we read through the book of Revelation, we have to realize that the, the epic things that are described are, are sort of like this eternal perspective. Um, we usually like to capture them in a snapshot and say, this is exactly what this means in this place and this time. But, but it's kind of like some universal, timeless truths uh, that are in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and one of these timeless truths is this, is that Jesus reigns. Jesus is Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus is alive, not was alive, is alive. And that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And Jesus cares about us here. So I think with that, man, enjoy uh, your study of the book of Revelation. Um, I really do mean it. If, if you read through a passage like this and you're like, I don't know, this sounds weird. It's talking about living creatures or it's describing them. My, uh, my first uh, thought would be, you know, why don't you just take a minute, take out a piece of paper and try to draw it. Get an idea what that might look like. In doing that, you're going to have some kind of an understanding of what maybe this looks like and and you can use your imagination to help understand a little bit more of what the vision is but when you do that never forget that it is all about jesus and all points to him well thank you for joining us this was part one of three of us going over revelation on our sunday devos so if you enjoyed this be sure to come back next sunday 
for part two of Revelation. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.